The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of Dorne to well north of the wall in the lands of always winter, and let's not forget Essos and whatever is west of west, this is Casterly Talk, the 10th episode, as we race towards season 8 of Game of Thrones, and I cannot do it alone this week. With me, talking together for the first time about Game of Thrones, you heard him on last week's episode, Andres Cabrera and Rachel Cushing. Yes. Hello, friends. Hello. Hello. Lon Harris was supposed to be here, our maester, and he got sick. Aww. Porridge plague. Porridge plague. <laughs> Are we sure it wasn't grayscale? Uh, might have been. <laughs> don't touch him. Don't touch him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, uh, you you are two of my favorite people to talk Game of Thrones with. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we, the way the schedule's working and the way I can get people out to record the show, we haven't uh, had you two sit down before, so I'm just excited to see what you two can come up with. Forget about me and my ramblings. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Mr. Cabrera, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm excited. I, I uh, saw the teaser trailer. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're releasing a, quite a few teaser trailers that are yeah. now TV spots. TV spots that are um, nothing new, right? But just cut down new, shorter one or versions. Two scenes, yeah, but yeah. they're not giving anything away. But either way, I am counting down. Yeah. Counting down. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just, oh, the music, the music's counting down too. I bumped the <laughs> slider there. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I had this thought the other day. I, I woke up um, and I just was like, in like two weeks' time, I get new episode nine footage and games from season eight <laughs> like the same weekend. Mm. I don't know if my nerd brain can take it. It's a great time to be a nerd, Rachel. Oh, uh, I've been saying that for a few years, and and we've we've finally inherited the earth. They promised we would eventually, and right. I think we finally have. Um, yeah, I'm. We hit April, and I just went whoa! Like right. it, it was always a few months away, and then a month away, and and you know when when you get to under two weeks, less than fourteen days, and you just you know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if I'm ready for this. <laughs> As much as I think I am, I might not be. Uh, but yeah, super excited about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, the danger of getting the answers we want. Yeah, is sometimes scary. Can be scary, We've especially invested. when this is it. Yeah, <laughs> these are the last episodes of this Game of Thrones series. I know we're going to get more yeah. with uh, this world and this universe, but still, Thankfully. like, and. You know, uh, as as other book readers know, like this isn't just been about you know the last nine years or so. This has been right. since I was a, a teenager, and I yeah. read the first book, and and never in a million years <laughs> thought there would ever be a movie or a TV show bringing this to life. And yet, you know, here we are, uh, seven seasons in, and and I couldn't be happier with the product. And um, I'm just you know. Praying they bring it home. <laughs> that, that's a great point because we are getting the end and it's not necessarily George R. R. Martin's, mm-hmm. you know, his entire complete ending that he's going to give us. We hope, George. Uh, please do. Um, this goes back to me, what, 2011 the show debuts, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember for, for me there. Uh, Ace, you came a little bit later, we talked about, but then you went back. Uh, I want to talk, Rachel, that moment in, what, 96? Did you read the book in 96? It was a couple of years later. Okay. So I want to say maybe 99 or 2000. So you I didn't invest, invest as much time as you're claiming. Is what I'm <laughs> <laughs> Only the 90s, the late 90s. <laughs> yeah, so you picked it up. And then what were your thoughts then? Take me back to that, flipping through the pages of this book. It's really funny because I 
came across it um, just through, you know, fantasy literature and my nerd friends, you know, recommending the next thing to read. And, you know, we're all doing the Jordan thing, the sort of truth series and everything else. And, and there was this new guy in on the block with uh, Martin and I picked it up. I read the first hundred or so pages and put it down. It was a ah, lot. It was yeah. a lot. And um, I was in college and, you know, had a lot of other stuff going on. And it was the kind of thing where I put, I needed a break and just didn't go back to it. That Christmas, I was home for the holidays and my cousin, Andrew, gets a shout out here, um, told me that he was reading this amazing fantasy series. Now, the thing about this is Andrew's not a big reader. Okay. So for him to recommend a, a book yeah. is kind of a big deal. And when he said it was Game of Thrones, I was like, dude, I started that. I'm like, you got into it? Like, it, it you know, you it sure gets did? there. <laughs> and he's like, trust me. Wow. He's like, I could not put this down. And there was another book at that time. I believe the second one was out. So I was like, all right, this is this is a, a recommendation I have to take seriously. Yeah. And the great thing about it was I'd read the first hundred pages. So there was so much easier the second time. And now I'm in now yeah. I'm hooked enough and picked up more than enough for me to want to keep going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it was just hook, line and sinker. It was, as everybody says, the next version of what Tolkien started because yeah. it's, I love fantasy literature and I've read more than I can count. A lot of them are just fun fantasy, great for the read, you know, uh, entertaining, but fairly surfacey level, fairly full of most fantasy tropes. They never felt as grounded as Tolkien did Mm -hmm. until Martin came along. And then you feel the history behind the story he's telling. And the story he's telling is so dense anyway. So there's so much more. And as you guys know, with rewatching the series and also with rereading the books, I've read them four or five times each, I still pick up stuff when I read them. There's that much going on there. And that's, you know, just a testament to Martin and a testament to his world building abilities and, um, and character development. You just, you just so grabbed by these, these characters. Yeah. I'm slowly, like, I'm not even like intentionally rereading through Feast of Crows. It's just something I pick up every now and Mm -hmm. then read half a chapter and Feast for Crows. It just, I'm like, Oh, this was, not only better than I thought, but Much just better. full of information yeah. that helps. I and because I was show first and book second, I, I I think it's a great point. I I'm a I'm a reader. I like more than the picture books, but <laughs> I don't know if I would have stuck through it because it is so thick. It is a thick read, and I've pulled out of some of those big kind of books before. Mm-hmm. Even like my like I love history books and David McCullough. There's some mm-hmm. David McCullough books yeah. I've glossed over because I'm like I don't know where I am in Teddy Roosevelt's life right now. Um, <laughs> love it. Um, I think it helped that I had a, had the familiarity with the world from the show because then it felt like I was learning new things. Yeah. Like, oh, that's behind the wall. I got mm-hmm. a piece of information that I can take into the show. Sure. Uh, so Ace, I don't know where you come down oh, on those pages. Dude, definitely not that. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as Rachel was like, rereading the books, I was like, oh, I'll get to that eventually. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting. I'm rewatching yeah. the show. Yeah. I, I, I am a picture books guy. <laughs> I'm well, that you comic can get the, book you guy. You can get the graphic novel version. Oh, nice. nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. The, and honestly, he, some of his, of his supplemental material, the Dunkin' Egg uh, yep, novels, yep. the graphic novels are great. They're a lot yeah. of fun. I yeah. do have those somewhere. Oh, my gosh. Where are those? <laughs> I used to have those. I don't know where they are. Anyways, yeah. Uh, for me, I, I think the, the, the thing that sold me the most, obviously, when, when I was getting into the show is is the concept of, of so many stories. Mm. And, and instead of feeling overwhelmed by all these characters and each one of their stories and every time 
they would cut to someone else and cut to somewhere else and cut, you know, beyond the wall and cut back to King's Landing and cut, you know, first watching the show. I I thought it was a fun opportunity to be like, who is my favorite? It's this Mm -hmm. idea of like picking your favorite up from a lineup and just kind of, you know, going with your favorite character. And yeah. I unfortunately picked Rob Stark as my favorite <laughs> character. At least you didn't was, pick Ned. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. That's true. Most people did that. That's of course it is. Oh, I, yeah. picked, I was like, Rob is my number one. Yeah. Rob's going to get it. I was, Rob's I was team Rob Rob's all the way. One. I'm still team Rob. I, I still consider him to be one of my favorite all-time Game of Thrones characters. Does, I love Rob. Do you feel Rob gets kind of an unfair shake? 100%. Kind of left behind? Yes. I know he made some mistakes. I get that. I totally get yeah. that. yeah. Uh, that led to the destruction of, of him and, the, and his armies. I understand it. But yeah, yeah, defend Rob. Oh, I'm a I'm a Rob Stark guy all the way. He's to me, he's I, I, I forget who said it, but someone said it best where they say that Rob was different than Ned in the sense that Ned was so, you know, keen on rejecting his leadership roles, whereas Rob sort of embraced it. He did. He yeah. was the Stark who was like, you know what? Enough mm-hmm. us of being shy wolves. Like, we need to stop that. We need to embrace leadership i i am going to be the king in the north and i am going to kill the lannisters like yeah. this is my purpose it's my destiny to avenge my father yeah two two victories doesn't make you a conqueror it's better uh, than two better, losses it's better you know, i think it's three, <laughs> three victories three defeat, three oh it's my favorite i'm it's one notoriously of my bad, on, bad on quotes you all know that watch my star wars matches yeah. rachel you on rob stark where's your stance on rob i have to say please tell me you hate him no i'm kidding of fight, course fight, fight. not um <laughs> but what i have to say is the the show did him justice in a way that and it's not that the yes. books don't but it but is is you know anybody who's read the books and, and even if you haven't, you've heard this before, uh, their point of view. Yeah. So, you know, characters get uh, a chapter and it's from their point of view. Rob never gets one. Yeah. So you're never quite in his head and you can extrapolate cause you're in Catelyn's head or you're in John's head or, or whatnot. But, um, the show Richard Madden really brought him mm-hmm. to life and the show really wrote him as yes, he's the most Ned like of mm-hmm. Ned's sons, but he also had the qualities that, uh, Ace was mm-hmm. just talking about, and that was really brought to life. And he was such a charismatic leader that you understood when oh, they yeah. all stand and yell King of the North. You're like, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was yelling it, it back. Exactly. You <laughs> totally understand alone why. Alone in your apartment. Yeah, alone in my apartment. <laughs> King of the North. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's moving. It's riveting. And it does fall in line with how we watch these kinds of stories where, you know, our, our beloved Ned, you know, gets unjustly beheaded. Right. And so Rob steps up and, and you want yeah, that you're and you, you're yeah. rooting for him 100%. And then he's such a natural military leader and mm-hmm. a fighter and he gets those wins. And even though you're, you're yelling at him at your TV with the whole Talisa situation, yeah. you also respect him for it because mm-hmm. she's a respectable character and you understand yeah. where his heart is. And he's still a young man and he, mm-hmm. he's very relatable. He's very charismatic and it just makes it all the more gut wrenching when you get to the red wedding i I mean consider myself like being the biggest rob fan and then getting to that i was like what is this (laughs) that's the most offensive thing i've ever seen on tv (laughs) i'm offended right now (laughs) i was deeply hurt yeah i was like i don't think i can i remember being like my 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 heart was racing so fast and i remember being so like frozen in my seat like thinking to myself like 
I don't think I could keep watching this show. <laughs> it is a it is a gut punch. It is. It a, is. I, I still think one of my favorite moments in in all of the show is is Catelyn hearing that music for the first time. And, and as a viewer, if you're not familiar with the the concept or what's going to happen, if you're surprised and watching it as it happens, exactly what you're describing. My 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 heart rate went up. My hands got sweaty. Like no, oh wait a minute, this isn't just a wedding. Like no. Um, and I th- I've heard interviews. I, I've been on this obsessive kick of of listening to George R. Martin on YouTube and various speeches and Q and A's. And and he's he's a fascinating character. George is. He's <laughs> he's a weird dude. He's a wonderful dude. He's an. Inter- I mean, there's all those things we can describe him. Um, he also is a procrastinator. Never mind. Um, he t- he's talked a couple interviews though where he's he thinks the show got Rob Stark better. Uh, I'm not quoting, I'm not quoting, but he's saying, you know, I think I rewrite him as a point of view character because it, look, Jane Westerling, his wife in the books yeah. is an, is a footnote. Yeah, she really uh, is. You, uh, turned out Rob's married now. What? <laughs> I, I think obviously a lot of it is the writing. We have yeah. to give credit to the writing. A lot of it is Richard Madden. I mean, yeah. now Emmy, Emmy winner, Richard Madden. He just won is an Emmy for, last uh, year. What's this bodyguard? bodyguard. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's genuinely a really good actor. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, who can hold his own in any scene, and mm-hmm. and the writing. I mean, obviously you quoted that scene, but it's still one of my all time mm-hmm. favorite quotes and scenes. You know, you insult yeah. yourself, Kingslayer. Right. Like the mm-hmm. whole thing is just like, you know, yeah. you've been beaten by a boy, <laughs> held captive by a boy. Like the whole thing is so great. great. That and then his defiance against Karstark. Mm-hmm. To me, like I was very Team Rob. I was like, screw Karstark. Yeah, yeah. But again, that difficult decision where everyone is telling him you need the Karstarks right. on your side. If you yeah. do this, you're going to lose them yeah, and lose the, the war. That's the net in him. And yeah. that, but that is an understandable stance. Yeah. Nonetheless, that, you know, it's a mistake, but you yeah. still, you still kind you still of agree kind with of a, it. Yes. You agree with it. And, yeah. and you almost admire him for, for, mm-hmm. for standing up to the quote, the way things are, right, you know, yeah. he's like, well, the way yep. things are, aren't right. Mm-hmm. And this isn't right. And what he just did to those poor boys is not yeah. right. That's, and like, it's, it's good to have those characters in this very gray, muddy world. It's, it's uh, Arya describing yep. uh, Ned uh, about her and the bow and arrow thing where I, I wasn't the wrong. The rules were wrong. Yep. And, and I, we, I've talked often back in the daily Thrones days about the sins of the Starks, which are plenty. The sins meaning the mistakes, including Catelyn. I was probably too harsh on Catelyn back then, but every time if you were to write down the mistakes that they make that lead to other problems, like you both just said, you can get behind it. You yeah. can go, well, yeah. And that includes Ned back in my man, Stannis. By rule, it was, it was, I don't care what you think of Stannis. Right. Uh, someone asked me recently, real close to me, they needed to, I need you to explain your love of Stannis or I might leave you. So that's a hint on, <laughs> on who it might have been. Um, <laughs> and I explained it to her mother. Uh, I said, uh, there's a, pro- there's a, the biblical story of the prodigal son and the prodigal son's brother. So the prodigal son uh, uh messes everything up and gets the rewards and the prodigal son's brother has to suffer. And Stannis up to that point, he, he wasn't with Melisandre. He wasn't, he was cantankerous. He's all these things, but he wasn't burning people. He wasn't doing that, but he did everything that was asked for him. Everything didn't get nothing. He's fine with it. It's my duty, but now this is mine and I want it. And you guys don't like me. You don't like me. And Ned said, I don't care what we think of Stannis. It's right that Stannis gets it. Mm-hmm. And I think even that's a mistake of Ned. Yeah. He should have he's gone not, with Renly. He's not reading yeah. the people in the situation. Yeah. He's just reading the bottom line, the yeah. law, the way that the natural order of this situation yeah. is. But it's bastard sons aside. It's Robert mis- dies. Yeah. 
It's a mistake Ned makes, but it's a mistake that I look at and go, I don't know if, you know, I think he deserves some credit for trying to go the right way. Yeah. I don't know. I think another part of it too, that kind of pokes a hole in in Ned's, you know, character is that bathtub scene with Jamie Lannister and Brienne. You really realize in that moment that maybe if Ned treated Jamie a little differently, things could have turned out a little bit better in the long run. And maybe his, you know, defiance and the letter of the law and his reaction to Jamie sitting on the throne could right. have led to, I, I'm not necessarily saying an alliance, but at least a, you know, an agreement, but, but his defiance against Jamie was something yeah. that stood out quite a bit. It, it was is, prejudice. Yeah, it really it was. was. It was one of the things I love about this show <laughs> is Ned and Robert are positioned as the, the good guys, mm-hmm. the classic, you know, we, we definitely we're, we're behind Ned and you should be and Robert. Hey, it's his buddy. So you don't really see Robert as a bad king. Eventually you do. And along the way, yeah, I think Jamie and, and you talk about that bathtub scene, Rachel, that's your scene. That's oh, yeah. the one you love more than probably you say, you'd say that's your favorite scene in Game of Thrones, if right? You, uh, yeah. Uh, a sword to my neck. That's, uh, the, that's one the one that I would say. Yeah. And it is where you look at Jamie and go, wait a minute. You Maybe you weren't wrong. And maybe Ned was the stubborn ox. It caused some problems. It's why the books are written as point of view. It's everything is skewed by point of view. History is written by the victors. It's always skewed. It's never objective. So if the point of view person is telling you this version of history, then that's the version you believe because that's the the version this character believes. But then you switch to another point of view and you see the exact same set of circumstances from a different point of view and you have more information, more background, more context. And all of a sudden you go, wait a second, Mm -hmm. there's more going on here. Mm -hmm. And it's all about who's telling you the story and how much of it you need to believe and how much you need to, you know, research and figure out what else is going on there. And it's, that is, if you had to boil down the brilliance of Martin, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, That, and then the the character of Jamie Lannister himself is like you just said, if you boil down the brilliance of Martin, it's Jamie Lannister. I agree. Currently my favorite character left on the show. (laughs) He's my favorite Uh character. Jamie's doomed. (laughs) But that's a big testament to, to the story and to the writing and to the show is the fact that this guy who's terrible on all accounts yeah. is my favorite character left on the show, I, even above Jon Snow. I'm sorry. Well, I love I love your journey as a fan, like, yeah. uh, Andres, because you, you know, I, I'm all in on Rob Stark. Damn it. All right. Obert Martell comes along. Oh. I am all in on Obert Martell. took that from oh, me. Man. Oh, that's that's more than a damn right. it. I was, very, I was much more offended by that. Jon Snow, I mean, I mean, yeah. Now you're on Jamie's side. I'm on Jamie's team. Oh, it doesn't team bode Jamie. well for Mr. I know, it Lannister. <laughs> I, I know that for sure. And it's one of those things that I, I still feel, and I know mm-hmm. this is a, 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 a personal thing, but I still yeah. feel like it would have been even, how crazy would this season have been as far as Jamie fans mm-hmm. if it was Jamie Lannister sends his regards. I, I just feel like that oh, line yeah, yeah. would have changed so many things. I feel like it would have been a little bit muddier than it is now. But now it's like, Jamie's a good guy. But yeah. not, if we still would have seen that little hint of it from the books, yeah, but they sure. changed that to the Lannisters, uh-huh. which is now iconic in itself. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But still, like, I still feel like that's that's Jamie, man. Like Once oh, you're yeah. like, Jamie's a good guy, then he does something and you're like, oh, Jamie should die. <laughs> and then it's like, because he's done uh, that so many yeah. times. Uh, but Jamie is, yeah, I love him. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough and it's uh, getting tougher because we're going into season eight and 
Uh, we want to we want to have some fun here. We talked a lot last week. I so you brought in this list of the best fighters left alive. Brand topping uh topping your charts there. Brand of Tarth coming in number one. Um, and Rachel, you you agreed with that one hundred percent. I was very one. impressed by the list and all of Ace's reasonings, but mm-hmm. I was. Uh, yeah, uh, full marks for Brienne being the top Brienne of the list. Brienne being the top of the list, the best fighter. But part of the fun of that and part of what you love doing, Andres, is you love kind of going, all right, let's look at the pieces left on the field and how do we win. And I love that, too. Uh, we got to talk about the battle, battle of Winterfell. Now, all right, now, in terms of uh, I'm not worried about out of story, meaning when I say that, I mean, what episode is this and what does that mean for the story? You know, is, it, is the fight going to wrap up sooner and that's a different discussion. I want to talk about in story with our pieces on the on the plane uh, field there on on the chessboard with the Night King and his army marching down to the to Winterfell. We know we got this battle, right? We can we can rest assured there. How are we going to win this battle? How are we going to do it? And I want to take some moments here uh, with two of of my favorite Game of Thrones fans and experts and 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 just uh, rolling up your sleeve and getting nerdy with it, folks. How how do we really think this could possibly happen? Andres, uh, do you have any ideas? Uh, yeah, I have plenty. This is what I've done <laughs> over the weekend, Ken. I literally mapped out this entire battle in my head. Um, the first thing I, I noticed was <laughs> that that TV spot. That TV spot okay. shows that. I, I mean, obviously, before I get into it, I really want to say that I think we're going to see something in, incredible. I, I think we're going to mm-hmm. see something like that's truly special with the Battle of Winterfell, mm-hmm. uh, which I feel, I think, that Miguel is directing. Yes, he is. Um, Sapochnik. Sapochnik. Yeah. And, and yeah. I feel like he's just like, he's trying to top himself times mm-hmm. 10, and I think he's going to do it. The first thing I noticed was was the Unsullied pulling up their shields mm-hmm. and kind of pulling, kind of holding down Winterfell from like a straight up like hold the line perspective. Right, right, Kind right, of right. like what I mentioned last week mm-hmm. with the Battle of, what is it, Battle of Kahar? Kahar. Kahar. Yeah, um, where they stood against the, the, the Thraki and mm-hmm. they just held the line spears out shields up hold the line kind yeah, of situation yeah. and if they could hold it against forty thousand to thraki you're like maybe they can hold it for a little bit against a bunch of whites yeah. <laughs> i mean at least for for a while another thing i noticed is uh there's a scene where Arya is swinging a spear mm-hmm. and she swings the spear and takes down i think a white Going back to my prediction of the mm. the spear is probably going to have dragon glass at the tip of it, yeah, so we're going to have dragon glass spears, yeah. which I think is also incredible. But I, I think that's the biggest advantage is using the Dothraki in an open field or open snow. Right, right. That's your best bet, and hopefully arming them with daggers of obsidian. Um, okay. And then obviously we see Jorah kind of leading the charge right, right. at least he's for the Dothraki. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, John is probably going to have a major role in that, but it's. Yeah, I mean, uh, Beric Dondarrion as well. We see him kind of, you know, going out with his flaming yeah. sword. Yeah, it's yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible. I really do yeah. feel like this is. I, I kept thinking about. I, I thought about this today as well. Maybe that's his purpose. Maybe Beric's purpose is just to, you know, hold the line long enough to get everyone else to right. escape. Because I still am very pessimistic about this battle, and I don't think we can win. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be tough. <laughs> and, I, and I want a good battle speech from Richard Dormer, one of the best voices out there. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let me pause right there, okay? And Rachel, I want to bring you in here. So he's setting the field here. And if you have a different view or disagree, uh, you know, not disagree, but like, I want to know what you think. The, the, the Night King and his army is marching down. The number is 100,000, roughly, is what we heard, right? Oh, these numbers are always really rough sure. in Game of Thrones. Winterfell, you got you got the Unsullied holding the line. I agree with that, and you got the Dothraki in the open field of snow. Uh, where do you go? Where do your, your where does your thoughts start in this battle, Rachel? 
my thoughts have always um, been around the idea of a song of ice and fire, the coming together of, you know, the, the whites and the white walkers against the fire elements. And, and for those, we have dragons, mm-hmm. um, we have whatever's going on with the Lord of light. Um, <laughs> a tidbit that I don't know if the show's ever mentioned, but is true about the books is that Winterfell is built on hot springs. So I often wondered if that wouldn't play a role in some way, shape, or form. I think it is true about the show because we saw Holder, right? Yes. Oh, that's true. Yes. So um, at least uh, by the the um, the Weirwood tree, you do see the that pool there. True. So if people realize that that's a hot spring or whatnot, oh, um, he's got giants. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so in terms of like the tools at the disposal, aside of just what the armies that we have mm-hmm. are, because like you said, Dothraki, Unsullied. We know we have the. Veil of Aaron Knights. That's right. Yeah. Um, right. Right. In terms of also hor- people on horse, I think that they that, that might they might you know um, work in tandem somehow with the Dothraki. Yeah. And then you just have the you know the foot soldiers the of the the Northmen uh, right. and whatever you know uh, way that they would be used. But mm-hmm. this to me, this is an unwinnable battle if we're just talking about those armies okay. like i just yeah I, yeah no, absolutely yeah right i they can hold off you know the horse man outside. you both just don't want this victory no it doesn't it's, look victorious yeah it's, it's they'll they, they could throw pretty much every yeah. man woman and child you mm-hmm. have in the north and the problem is every one of them that dies can then be brought back and mm-hmm. subsequently bolster the army of the dead in theory. It's like playing so, dodgeball at school. You get I, hit, you, you just, go to the other side, right? Or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So I feel like there's, you know, there'll be valiant stands and I mm-hmm. have no doubt that we're going to lose a handful of, of, of our main players in right. some sort of holding action. But in terms of any possibility of defeat, it's got to come down to um, taking out the white walkers because you yeah. take out the walkers, you take out whoever whites that they turned. We've, we, right. we know that to be the case. Um, and we know that other than obsidian fire is, is, is the, the weapon of choice against them. So it's, you know, whether the dragons are still in play at the point of battle of Winterfell, I honestly think that they could be taken out prior to the battle of Winterfell. They might not play a role. I think there's going to be some sort of pre-battle, some sort of skirmish, some sort of like John leading a charge or, uh, 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 Mm. Doing, I, I feel like there has to be a a smaller battle early on, um, mm. holding act, whatever for whatever sure. reason I can't well, pinpoint exactly what's. Yeah, yeah, and I feel an like that's what's that's where you're going to have. Um, that's when we're going to find out that Viserion has been changed into an uh, ice dragon, right. and I feel like there will be like a bit of some aerial fireworks happening with yeah, dragon yeah. riders up in the air, and I. Mm. honestly could see dragons being taken out in that situation because we have yeah. had a dragon battle with the wagon train last season. We've yeah. seen what it looks like when dragons wreck house. So they're it's, always, every battle they do on the show, they try to do something different. They try to have a different mm-hmm. angle on it. So I feel like there'll be a battle between dragons and that might be, okay, that's done. They took each other out. Okay. And so when we get we're, to the battle of Winterfell, we're down even more. We're down that. So okay. th- 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 these are just yeah, wild no, no, predictions on my well, side. Because that's the thought. Because, away by then. because if Drogon and and uh, and uh, Rhaegal are uh, right, Rhaegal got something. Yes, it's Rhaegal. Rhaegal. Yeah, yep. sometimes I want to yeah. say Rhaenys. Uh, <laughs> Drogon and Rhaegal are there, and Viserion's coming down. Yeah, what do you do? It would right. seem like that would be the first strike. 
the first thing yeah. I noticed was was would they even if they did have them, would they risk them? They know they have javelins, and these guys are pretty good with their aim. Despite would you risk them in the yeah. Battle of Winterfell, or Despite would you keep them as like a very, very, very last right. option? I kind of see this scenario too playing out where. The, we see some victory where they're like, we're kind of winning. And then just like the Night King comes in <laughs> and yeah. he's like, so I got a dragon, y'all. That, that is my, <laughs> it's over. Yeah, right. that is my thought. They can't necessarily, I, I can't assume that they know he has Viserion. Nope. Yeah, there has to be a, a big reveal because be that's going reveal. to be yeah. Yeah. gut-wrenching to Danny Because right. again, dragons are her children. She thinks it was bad enough when one died. If she right. sees it, it's not dead. It's been brought back to be used against her. Right. Like that's that's an emotional beat we need. So sure, that yeah. reveal has to be something big and special. Right. Yeah. And just in terms of, of of the battle, I like this idea of like they're like, well, we got dragons. Don't worry. Oh crap! They got this other one. Yeah, he's got and then, one too. And I see the Northmen. Um, I think uh, if the Vale of Aaron's still there, the Knights of the Vale. I think they're more. You put them in the field. Um, but I I, I got the Northmen men in the castle in my yeah. thing because. Uh, the Unsullied might have some experience holding castles, but it seems they're more in the open field. And Dothraki, definitely no, no you, castle they, no. defending experience. They're not going to be uh, productive they're unless they're yeah, out they're there. Not be inside. Yeah. They're, they're, the, they're the linebackers on the field running around making sacks. <laughs> uh, we got the, the Northmen are the safeties and cornerbacks here protecting the, the field. So I, that's where I'd put them, Mace. Where would you put them? Oh, 100%. But, but I keep going back to that you know, episode six from season seven, Beyond the Wall, where Jorah, like you said, says, if we take down the walkers, the white walkers, we might have a chance yeah, yeah. considering that they will consecutively take down all the ones they turned, you know, Phantom Menace whole situation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, take down mm-hmm. the big ship, take, you down, can the take ship. down the entire army. Um, Roger, Roger. And, and I still feel like that's in play. In fact, I even predicted to you mm-hmm. last yeah. time I was on where I said, I think Grey Worm's going to take out a White Walker general you want before that. he goes out. <laughs> yeah. Let's face it, he's going to die. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's um, the other guy you're really invested in that we think's good. Oh, Grey Worm. The Grey Worm is like the yeah. journey of undress to the world. But, but it's one of those things where I, I think he will. That's mm-hmm. just a, maybe even Jorah because now we see he has heart's pain. I was just going to say, who's got yeah. the the Valyrian steel blades? So you, Jorah, I could see Jorah, Brienne. I could see uh, them taking down generals like White Walkers. Yeah, the generals. Yeah. Yeah. the Night yeah. King. So we could see yes. hundreds of whites just fall and crumble. Right. It's the one advantage we know our side yeah. has right. in, in that vein. So, Maybe. like, you know, and we know that they know that because yeah, they, they, they saw it when they, yeah, yeah, yeah. when they were. Uh, and even Jorah said it. He said, yes, yeah. he take down the Walkers, we might have a chance. And right. I was like, he's right. And I saw, Maybe we do have a chance. Yeah. Until there's yeah. a, a, a dragon. Until, yeah. But a dragon, which is the X Factor. Um, Can I bring something up that's really nerdy yes. that I, I'm so glad to ask you guys? There's uh-huh. been this debate around it, but since yeah. I didn't have you guys around, there's no Fair question. Enough. What is exactly what he's breathing? It, there's a, is it, It's fire. It's blue fire. Right, it's right. ice. It's magic fire. It's magic uh, breath. I, I, I was like, yeah. I think it's magic. I, like, I, I jokingly called it. I don't think it's it, uh, fire, nah. but I don't think it's ice either. I think it's like this weird fusion of like, a magical, almost uh, like a, a, yeah. a Cyclops beam situation where it's more impactful than it is like 100%. melting or fire or flames. Because yeah. I feel like that's counterintuitive. On Collider last season, we kept calling it Frostfire. Frostfire. I'll really defer to Rachel on this, but my initial thought rewatching that episode just last week is I, I 100% believe the wall is magic and doesn't cold hands Benjamin, he does refer yes. to it on the show. It's mm-hmm. maybe, you know, we don't have the horns of winter and all that kind of stuff yeah. that we have in the books. 
I think it's magic. And I think, yeah, with his power and his magic, there's something there that I don't know if the Night King knew he could get this. He did have the chains. But uh, I, I think once he got it, he's like, oh, I got the power. I got what I need to not just melt the wall. That that wall falls apart in yeah. some other magical way to me. Rachel, my yeah. base here? No, you're right. Because it's much more clear in, in the books that it, it was built with magic and that's why it can withstand it's why it's still standing thousands of years and it is magically protected against the white walkers specifically the night king back when they built it the whole point was that it was built with this magic to keep them out Mm -hmm. so it would take magic to fight magic 100 Mm percent so it's Uh, magic breath like that's what i it's yeah i still think it's ice based because I think we're always dealing with the dichotomy with ice and fire. And so like Mm -hmm. in the, the very typical trope sense, like if you have like Drogon in the sky and Viserion in the sky and they both breathe at each other, one is fire, one is ice and like whatever that looks like in the middle. I don't know. (laughs) Can I say too, that's my prediction. What we're going to see. I don't think we're going to see it in the battle of Winterfell. I think we're going to see it finale. Mm -hmm. We're going to see the famous Batman versus Superman (laughs) beam off where the, you see the two like <laughs> fire and ice breathing fire and ice breathing dragons one fire and then, one ice and they're and just then you like cut to some character and the character goes well it's a song of ice and fire yeah right. <laughs> well, no but i think that. it's going to be an epic that's obviously one of my favorite scenes in batman versus superman where where superman fires his beams and then mm-hmm. uh uh, Doomsday fires his beams, and yeah. they're, they're both kind of blasting at each other, and which one's going to yeah. win? Yeah. And like, I love I, that. that's going to be so epic. And I still feel like we might see a situation where it's like a John and Danny versus the Night King right. in the sky. No, I mean, it's <laughs> in terms like of a like a dragon battle in the sky. That's if, epic. If you're picturing visual <laughs> realization that so, is, you know, yeah. these two sides coming together and battling, like it has to be via yeah. dragons. The yeah. second that one turned last year, we're like, yeah. well, this is this a clash is how do you coming. Yeah, yeah. How do you it has it? to happen. Whether yeah. when it happens and how it happens, I think is is definitely one of the fun things to debate and you know have conjecture mm. about. But it, to me, whenever, however. I don't think it's in conjunction with the Battle of Winterfell. Agreed. I think that's a grounded. Also, uh-huh. I have read that it's mostly at night. Right, and right, I think right. that would be very difficult to visually sh- to yeah. shoot and to have that come across, to have dragons involved right. in that particular Plus the battle. actors playing the dragons prefer sunlight there. <laughs> uh, I agree with that there. And I think, um, I, 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 I joke, but I, I think you're both right. I think this is a battle that is very tough to win. And you got the the folks down there in the crypts. And I know a lot of people talk about, you know, what might be down there in the crypts. I don't know. I don't necessarily. Do you guys see something the really. The bones of Ned Stark coming back yeah, to life. I, I don't know. I, I hear that a lot. Me too. I think that's kind of. I understand it. There's something. Mm-hmm. There's a power in the crypts. We hear a lot about it. But sure. I don't know about that. But. I don't either. I, I just don't see that. How. How. Is to, how, how do you see this battle ending? I, I what goes see, wrong? What happens? Where, did, where does it take I us? think the Crypts of Winterfell, the reason why it keeps coming up, I think that might play a hand. I feel mm. like there might be some sort of escape route, magical mm-hmm. protection, whatever it is that, that the Crypts of Winterfell holds mm. that somehow the White Walkers can't enter. Um or somehow there's a way to get out of there using the Crypts of Winterfell. And I yeah. think Beric is going to be okay. doing something special, something extraordinary to be like, hey, this yeah. is why I was brought back so many times. Right, right. Escape, save yourself, 
fight another day yeah. and I'll hold the line. And it's just Barrett being one of the last ones standing. I'll see you on the other side. Yeah, and I think, you know, okay. I, I feel like John's not going to meet his end there. No, um, no. I don't see Danny meeting her no. in there. So I see them escaping. Yeah. And then everyone else is fair game, in my opinion. I, I would agree with that. I think a, a great escape, I think, might, might be what's yeah, in store. I think store. they're going to escape and go yeah. south. Like, they lose the battle, they got to go. But Which is fun, because then they still, in theory, have to deal with Cersei, Euron, and, and the Golden yeah, Company. Yeah, how all that, that all factors yeah. in is certainly part of all great. of the expectations. Think? But uh, Rachel, you? I honestly think the only way to beat the White Walkers in the end... Mm-hmm is via magic. And I think this is... I thought you were going to say love, nope. but all right, we'll uh, go nope, with magic. That's that, unfortunately, <laughs> not Game a of hug. Thrones. <laughs> a um, nice warm hug. Yeah. It's going to be the Lord of the Light. The, yeah. the, it has to be some version of fire. And I think Beric is going to be, you know, a piece of that. I think Melisandre will be coming back and be a piece of that. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I've mentioned this before, that the the most interesting aspect of this is that the heroes have to use the power of the yeah. devil yeah, in, in a way in, a in way. order to beat another devil. They are going to have to mm-hmm. use or somehow sacrifice in some way to have that power to beat the white Walker. But this is a power that preys on the blood of, little girls and yeah, yeah. has shadow monsters. And yeah. so to me, all understandable from a certain point of view, I will say, <laughs> okay. I, I agree with okay. you. Okay. I'm with you. I, I just, I feel like the, the magic confrontation that has to happen here is going, not going to be black and white, good versus evil, because it's almost like evil. Yeah. It's the good guys having to use evil to defeat evil. But then what does that cost? What is mm-hmm. that? Ha- what does that do to you? There's so Love many layers that. in that. I, 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 that. What's I, the cost of using yes. this Lord of I'm mm-hmm. so on board with that. I, yeah. I told you last time, you I, I really do feel like we're facing two extremes. Yes. We're facing, yeah. you know, either we're going to burn everything down and it's mm-hmm. pure evil or we're going to freeze everything and it's pure evil. Yeah. Like we're, we've seen two sides, but something just clicked in me that obviously yeah. this is my nerd brain just going uh, crazy. But what if we actually see the Lord of light and the way we see him is by inhabiting barracks, body as a vessel. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just it's going nerd whoa. right now. You were going down. I'm, I'm like, what if he takes you, over his body? Is that like a what vessel? the Prince what of if, Promise is? What, you if, know, he's, in, what yeah. if he's a vessel to actual Lord of Light. Like we see like his eyes just like go black or something demonic. And we see like a voice and it's like, that's why he was brought back so many times. I love this idea because of we, the show doesn't necessarily get a ton into Azora high as much as, Obviously, the book does, sure. but I, I I think it's there. Maybe it's oh, I know. I've I, I think it books. is. Yeah. Um, so I think I think as an audience, you can get that answer and not have to. Oh, by the way, here's six seasons, seven seasons of all this prophecy. I don't think you need that. I think at the end of the season, Melisandre. When Kinvar, we talked about Kinvara, and I get nerd, <laughs> yes. I get nerd chills just now talking about when Kinvara. Do you want to know what that voice was saying? I'm paraphrasing. What do you know? Because who is that? Yeah. yeah, maybe well, it is Azor Yeah, and or it's Rilor, You know, yeah, I think that's what it is. That's what came out of the the fire was that his voice, yeah. was the actual voice. Maybe Varys is the key, and, and I love. Well, I know. Yeah. And could what if imagine? what if the words were like burn them all? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's right. all he go, wants. Go he figure. wants. He wants everyone to burn. I told you that I'm with you. That the Lord of Light is definitely evil, yeah. and that yes. his intentions are definitely evil. Right. Okay. Yeah. But so. what if it's the only power they they have at their disposal sure. to, I, I love your idea of a, of a whole, of a, an escape. If, yeah. if Beric or whomever, you know, calls upon that power, 
for long enough to let at least some of our, our um, heroes escape, then I could totally see that. And then there's, therein lies the cost yeah. because the only other magical option we have is brand. And which is so blows which my is, mind. Cause we haven't even talked about it. Right. So like in my mind, like we all know, okay. At the, throughout the series, we've been promised a number of things. One right. of the things that we were promised is that brand would fly. And I know that he has, uh-huh. you know, walked say into it, the say crow. It, say it. Come on. Come on. The best. <laughs> you, you won't walk, or in, yeah. but you will fly. You, or, no, but, you, come on. Come on. You get it. But you will fly. Oh, okay. All right. Thank <laughs> you. I don't do voices. Fly, but, okay. Fool. Oh, wrong one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like. Bran warging into a dragon has long been held as, you know, uh, one of the ways in which, oh, yeah. if you know, uh, calling on, on the power of the three-eyed raven, the old gods or whatnot. And I think that those are, if we're going to go with something of a benevol- benevolent yeah. uh, higher power, maybe the, that's what the old gods are. Mm. But anyway, the so like you have the oh. Lord of Light as one all possible, but then you also have, those are the, our options. Honestly, if we're looking at the magical options to take down a magical foe, which is what the night King is and what the whites are. Those are the two things. Do do we feel like we're going to re-see, um, uh, uh, there was this big thing going around. Like, did we see the last of the children of the forest? Do we see them playing a hand at all? I'm just asking. No, fair question. I, I think in show, I would say maybe yes. That's what I got from that. Doesn't necessarily think, but but what you just said, yeah. you tell, I'm trying to go to break here and I don't want to get, <laughs> this is all amazing. We talk about, especially when lawns here is obsession and it's a healthy obsession. I yes. share of which religions are quote, right. We, we will agree. The seven is not bureaucracy uh, at its worst. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't exist. It's me. No. Uh, and you know, the drowned God, there's some other thing, but you know, whatever's going on with the night King, whatever he believes in might be right. Uh, and the Lord of light and Lord and Azor Ahai and all these things and baby smoke demons and all yeah. this stuff. I was going to say they're, they're not very nice if they have yeah. demon babies. But no. <laughs> seems real. Seems yes. like it's yep. real but in it, this world. There's real power. 100%. Real power. The old gods with the three eyed Raven, three eyed crow in the book, the trees speaking, Bran uh, speaking to th- people in the past, affecting some things uh, in a yep. weird way. Maybe it's the old gods going, you all shunned us and, to, throw us aside. We're back to say it's the day. why yeah. the White Walkers were created to begin right. with. Was the children of the forest were fighting against men who were chopping down their trees and ultimately trying to rid the world of that religion. Yeah. I like the idea of it coming full circle, mm. you know, in that way. And I would like to see Bran utilized in a way that is not just being a walking encyclopedia. Right. Right, giving awkward uh, you know, moments for Sansa. Yeah, yeah the, the 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 spirals, the shapes, yes. the things that the White oh, Walkers. I would love to know Night more King, about that. Always the artists, yeah. they are, mm-hmm. uh, and in the caves tying in. That yep. is old god stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, you two nerds, that is some <laughs> great stuff. But we're not done. On the other side of this break, we got a, a listener question about Davos, and we're going to talk about something that Rachel, you uh, were reading an article I have not touched upon yet uh, about the first season of Game of Thrones and how it might factor into what we got coming in Season 8. Casterly Talk will be back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Casterly Talk. Oh, man, even during the break we were talking. We should have just kept rolling during the break. I like having the breaks because it gets a, gives me a chance to catch my breath while recording this show. We go live to tape here. But uh, you you all, what you were talking about during the break is going to be the basis of uh, next week's episode, episode 11, the final episode of Casually Talk before the season 8 premiere. Uh, we are going to take a listener call right now, a message. If you have a message for us, uh, you can go to Casterly Talk on Anchor on the app. You can listen to this podcast wherever you want. It's available in a lot of fine places, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the like. But on the Anchor app, on your smartphone, you can uh, support the show directly, and you can leave a message for us. We get it. And back when this show was called Daily Thrones, and I did it every day for about 10 minutes a day, I love taking your calls. That's how we got to hear from Sir Thomas Tall And this regular caller calling in today... Eric Monroe. Hey, Ken. Wow. Calling in again. This is Deja Vu. Um, First off, I want to quickly thank you for your well wishes during my tough time um, since my mom died. That um, It really meant a lot to me. Um, So my question is about uh, Sir Davos. Uh, What's his resolution with the story? I'm assuming he survives, which I personally think he's going to, but does he go and go back to his wife when this is all done and just goes into retirement? Or is it his destiny to advise? Because, quite frankly, he's very good at it. Uh, people listen to him. He was He's very good at making people see the big picture. Now, advise whom or what, we don't know, because we don't know who's going to be left standing at the end of this thing. But I think he's definitely a character who's had a very interesting journey, going from a smuggler to a knight, to Stannis's hand, to John's hand. So I want to know what's going to happen to Sir Davos. Sir Davos in focus here from Eric. Things I love. Davos, one of my favorite characters. I think mm-hmm. I think he's a lo- favorite. Liam, of a lot of people. Liam Cunningham does a great job. I love he- Davos when he starts a sentence with, I don't know him but much about X, but let me try to convince <laughs> you about that. It's so yeah. great. So, all right. So Davos, <laughs> and one of the forgotten things, he does have a wife waiting somewhere. <laughs> he does have a wife. Every time I see yeah. Davos, I'm like, bro, why aren't you with your wife, man? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I know in the books he's got like, what, at least four more Seven sons. more children. Uh, yeah, 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 several more. Um, all right. So, uh, Rachel, uh, Sir Davos, Seaworth, what do you think? I've always said that Davos survives this whole thing because he is a survivor. He is somebody who, like our caller just said, has wiggled his way out of situations that most people would not have been able to. He's resourceful. He thinks on his feet. He has you know, built himself up from lowborn to somebody who is advising the highest of highborn and did it in such a way that with integrity and intelligence and common sense and no frivolity whatsoever, like there's just something very grounded and very uh, street smart about this character. And so you just see him being one that, you know, always finds his way, you know, through a situation. So if we're expanding upon a lot of our theories about the Battle of Winterfell, you know, him being one of the people helping people escape or, or leading them through uh, tunnels smuggling in the crypts or out, smuggling them out, I would say, <laughs> you know, I, I that is the role that I definitely see him mm. taking on. And um, and he's absolutely right. Like he is a very important type of advisor. He's like a Varys who, again, is not highborn, not privileged understands people in a way that 
all rulers should understand them. Right. And, you know, to the detriment of many of the rulers we've seen throughout the series, when they uh, don't, they get into some serious trouble. Yeah. So um, if Danny survives this whole thing and is the one who is picking up the pieces of whatever's left in this world, Davos 100% should be by her side. Yeah. Uh, hopefully his wife is invited to court. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, want, I want like a Samwise Gamgee kind of returning home. His wife. All right. A lot of great stuff there on Davos. Uh, uh, Rachel, uh, Andres, where do, you, where do you come down? 100%. I'm, obviously, everyone can say he's one of the best characters we have left on the show. He's yeah. absolutely amazing. But I think his purpose has always been the same. It's to counsel, right? Mm-hmm. It's to advise. It's to let you know what's going down and what's the right thing to do. I, I kind of like what, what track you're headed down as far as his his counsel to, to Danny and that kind of being a, a factor going in because you know, we were predicting a bunch of wild stuff during the break. And mm-hmm. one of the predictions you had is like, what if we win? What if we do yeah. win? What if the Night King isn't, you know, the real villain at the end of the story? It's, you know, mm-hmm. Cersei or someone else. I even think, what if it's, you know, the Lord of Light and Melisandre and Kinvara mm-hmm. and, and and kind of her taking liking to Danny and kind of being advising. Oh, yeah. Maybe they're, you know, telling Danny to do certain things mm. with certain fires to yeah. certain people. Oh, you and Davos like fire, could be, Danny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Davos could be the one person being like, I know these people. I don't yeah. think they're here for the right reasons, even if we did just use their magic to beat yeah. the king, or even if we're using them for something else. Like maybe I think his purpose is essentially to stand against anything we see for the Lord of Light. He, he's certainly not a fan. He, well, there's that. He's a reality check guy. Yeah. Like he's yeah. the one who's always like, to, and he would do it to Stannis. He's done it to John. And yeah. like most people to a person in power would grovel yeah. and say what that ruler wants to hear. Davos has never been that person. Yeah. And luckily he's advised people who respect that about him. Cause yeah. there's plenty of rulers would be like, you want to naysay me yeah. off with your head. But he's he earned the respect of these respective yeah. rulers. And I think he will earn Danny's as well. Um, if that is the road that we go down, but yeah, yeah he's, he's, uh, a, a, like a, a wall or a bulwark against a lot of bad ideas. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, uh, Stannis tried to cast him aside many times, mm-hmm. but just couldn't just knew. So, uh, yeah. And, and, and for me, Eric, great question about Davos. Um, I, I, I see him surviving, it's weird to say, but he's one of those characters that George R. R. Martin has given us that his survival has some justice to it. And, and, yes. and a lot of people who deserve justice didn't get it to Oberyn, uh, Rob Stark in a way. I would say all those people went seeking justice and didn't get it. But there's something different to me. Tyrion is similar. Brienne of Tarth is similar, mm-hmm. where because of what they went through their entire lives and who they were, who they became, or who they remain, Davos has kind of remained true to himself. I I like the idea of him surviving as is kind of a kind of a reward for him. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to be some live, justice yeah. in this world. There have to be some yeah. happy endings in some way, and yeah, yeah. you would like. Davos to be one of the ones that gets one of them. Yeah, so fascinating stuff. Uh, if you've got a thought or comment, you can reach out on the app. Just leave us a message there. All right, in the time we have remaining here, we got about 15 minutes left here on the show here, but with Game of Thrones, it could be two hours more. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel, you were talking to us uh, when we, we piloted in the studio tonight, uh, this article on Entertainment Weekly, right? Yeah. That Maisie Williams had an interview. Mm-hmm. Give us 
a hint. We don't want to get to spoilers. Right. We're not. Nope. But just interesting when you're prepping. We have a week left to prep. <laughs> something to look at. Yeah. Um, Entertainment Weekly has always been well known for their good coverage of the Game of Thrones and they have pretty unprecedented access. And what I do appreciate is I know that I can click on these articles and not get stuff that I don't want. Right, they right, they right. present it in a very um, uh, informative yet non-spoilery way. So I read this article with Maisie Williams and she was saying that after she read the scripts she immediately went and um, revisited uh, early season one episodes because she felt a lot of callbacks. She said even to the point of um, shooting in uh, same rooms in similar ways. And it in, it just makes sense mm-hmm. in terms of coming full circle. And, and we've talked multiple times about the fact that, you know, maybe a final battle at Winterfell doesn't make the most sense geographically speaking, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it makes sense story because we basically started there. Our main characters are all converging there. The Starks, there's always a Stark in Winterfell and and what they've done to, to gain it back and the significance of it. We think the significance in the crypts, Mm -hmm. there are so many reasons to have a big battle there. um, And therefore it also makes sense to, remember where we started and all these characters, like especially yeah. somebody like an Arya whose arc has just been incredible in a John and we're going to be seeing these reunions. So yeah. when was the last time we saw Arya and John together in Arya's bedroom and when he gave her needle, needle in season right. one. Okay. So like, I just, I see another conversation happening in that room between the two of them that calls back to that. And I think there'll be mm-hmm. a lot of great moments like that. That makes me basically, you know, in some of the free time I have, you know, in th- th- these last days beforehand is maybe, you know, go back again and revisit some of those uh, early season one episodes. I mean, in time I, I have remaining, I might, because, yeah. you know, we d- I, I did some of the solo episodes of Casterly Talk where I talked about rewatching season one and see scenes that mean more now mm-hmm. or have significance just even emotionally now that the story is played out going into season eight. So that's yeah. interesting. Do you have the exact quote or, or are you just, where, where she, does she say the early episodes of season one or just season one overall? Uh, uh, not that I can pull those scenes up in my head right sure. now. Sure. Um, I went back and watched season one again because so much of it refers back to that season. The 21 okay. year old says there are so many scenes that will look similar. And also I watched just to remind myself of the arc that I've already taken. So crazy. She's 21. I was going to say that. <laughs> what stood out the most was 21. 21. That is, uh, that is crazy. Um, uh, Ace, where do you, where do you think season one? How does it factor in? I love this idea of going back to Winterfell emotionally more than anything. A hundred percent. I think a lot of it has to do with the Crips. I mean, mm-hmm. we keep saying that over and over again, but there has to be a reason why they keep bringing that, you know, the creators keep bringing it up with trailers and with teaser trailers and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. So I, I think part of that is obviously the, the big elephant in the room that is Liana. Um, I think that's a huge factor. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one of the first things we see in the first episode is, you know, Robert going back down to see Liana. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's kind of going to play a huge role as, as far as Danny's reaction to finding out mm-hmm. and, and, and John's reaction, because he's going to feel so many different emotions as far as like, I'm not who I thought I was. And I just slept with my aunt <laughs> <laughs> and she might have my child. of incest. Yeah. This is, <laughs> it's a lot to take in. This is the exciting thing about season eight. It is the daunting thing for creators of uh, the creators of the show, the performers, and then us as fans. We got to, re- mm-hmm. there's so many things that not just need to be resolved, but a factor in because yeah, the Danny, John, Danny and John, Danny versus John, John learning, and then going back and, 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 and characters learning that, that, the Roberts rebellion was found uh, founded on a lie 
We know that some of the characters, but when that is learned overall and confirmed, what does that do to alliances? What does that do to desires? What does it do? To, you know, I don't think it changed to Cersei, but but <laughs> but what does that do? That's a big bomb in the center of the room. Here. Not just that, but but genuinely, John's reaction and Danny's reaction are they going to be different? Are they going to match up? Is Danny going to be like, yeah, this is great? Is she going to be like consider him a threat now that yeah. he's the rightful? you know, heir to the iron, iron throne. Is she going to see like, wait a minute, you're the one who should be sitting there. Not me. Yeah. And I don't think that's a good thing. Cause I've been fighting for this longer than you have. Right. I, I don't see her giving it up, submitting. Or is she going to be yeah. like incest has been in my family for a long time. So it's a, okay. No. I don't know. <laughs> I know you're really anti-incest. I am. And I, I applaud that. And yes. I think that's good. Uh, uh Yeah. <laughs> Rachel, where do you where where do you go now? Yeah, well, um, okay, incest, hmm. uh, Targaryens. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best case scenario in the sense of testing Danny. I think mm. she's the one who still has some growth in her because we've been seeing her develop into a leader, and this will force her into confronting herself. It does she want to be queen because of ego? because of right. who her father was and everything that's happened to her? Or does she want it because she really does want to do what's best for the people of mm-hmm. Westeros, which is what she says she wants. But then we did see her go burn the Tarleys last yeah. season. So we know that it's a inner struggle that she's often dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been very uh, entitled and it's been one of her drawbacks. And I think this is going to test her. And I yeah. think initially she's going to react badly. I just, she's like, she has yeah. been so focused on this and she's going to feel like the rug's been torn out from under her mm-hmm. by a male. Again, yeah, not yeah. John's fault, but she's just fought and fought and fought. And I think yeah. that she will feel betrayed, even though it's not a deliberate betrayal and it's going to force her to confront what it is she really wants. Is it to break the wheel? Mm. She can still be a part of breaking the wheel. She just might not be able to do so as queen. Now this is, you know, irrespective of whites and white walkers and all the other stuff they have to deal with. Again, which is one of the intriguing things. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But I think it strains the relationship, which creates drama and also might divert attention or cause issues when they need to be the, at the moment when they need to be the most united, which is to fight this huge threat, they might actually have this wedge driven in between them. And yeah. I think it'll be more on her part than on his, because we all know John will find this out and go, I don't want it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, but the Should've stayed in that cave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, uh, Rachel, that's some great stuff. Cause you, while you're talking about Danny and who she is, and I, I love the character of Daenerys Targaryen. I love the journey, what that she goes through, and you go back to season one, her journey. Yep. She is she is definitely naive. She's treated as property. She's and she as she grows. But I love season two. So why season two is one of my favorite seasons. I love her in the Spice Trader. I love those scenes. Yeah, I, I, he's a weird character, and I don't. I wouldn't call him a bad guy, but when he when he's on that stairwell and he's and he's being talking down, talking down, he's condescending, all those things. But uh, the, some of the things he says, much like how you and I root for Tywin sometimes, Andres, where we're like, yeah, he's horrible, but you know, he's making a point. I look at that Spice Trader, and everything about him is just like, oh, great. When was the last time you were Westeros? Yeah. Oh, you've never been. 
okay. And Danny gets like, I will burn it all. Right. He still has my, one of my favorite lines, which he's like, I'm going to be sitting on the Iron Throne. He's like, that may be the case, but not with my ships. And then he just walks away. I was he's like, one of that's my boy. He's one of my favorite characters. His tone, the way he speaks, there's a lot of things, but there's some hard truths for Danny. Yes. Well, I got to do something because I know you guys are in a very different place than I am. Okay. But can I speak for some people who are on the Game of Thrones mm. online sphere that are kind of turning against Danny a little oh, bit? Kind okay. of? Definitely. And there's an argument to be made because let's Dragon Queen. She's yeah. a little kooky in season seven. I, 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 yes. I Again, uh-huh. I just rewatched it and I, and okay. I just rewatched that episode Get and she has it. that scene with Tyrion yeah. where Tyrion says, you have a temper. And she's like, no, I, what, what temper basically is how <laughs> she responds. And it's like, no, you yeah, yeah. you really did didn't have to burn freaking Dickon. Dickon yeah. was a good dude, yeah. <laughs> and he basically says that with you know yeah. obviously not like yeah. I'm saying it, but but and she's very defiant and she's like, nope, they deserved it. Nope, nope, yeah, nope, yeah. nope. And it's like, what is going on, Danny? Yeah. Like, chill out. Like, yeah. there's a lot of people that season seven really made us not really yeah. a fan of Dan. We're yeah. I, if I had to choose, I'm like I'm Team Jon Snow. I'm really? sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I, I in that moment, I I wish. She hadn't burned Dick on, but I look at it and go, you know what? If I if I root for Tywin in some sort of situation, I work, root for Cersei. Maybe I, it's because I like Dick on. No, 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 like, no. Oh no, I <laughs> do like, like funny name. <laughs> He's a good dude. He's did, did a great from job. Dothraki. Yeah, they did a great job. No, I'm just saying because I don't disagree with the idea that that Danny's lost the plot a couple times. But I I do kind of applaud characters that do what's right, even though in their eyes, sure. in their eyes, um, but they're there's lessons to be learned when you hold to that. We go back to our discussion on Ned and Rob. Is that going to affect Danny? And, and I think faced with what we're talking about here, um, does, you know, we see them riding into Winterfell. We know that we get that from the trailer. That's all over those shots. Beautiful shots. Right. Um, does she find this stuff out? And is like, peace, I'm out. (laughs) She's been established where I don't think that that would happen. I don't don't think so. She she did see the Night King. She's when they she went on the rescue mission. She can't deny it. She can't deny. She wants vengeance more than anything. Well, for Viserion, for for certainly. Yeah, Um, but also she is still at the core a person who believes in what's right. She's good. good, That she's she's Ned in that way. Mm. Um, So much has happened to her to harden her in certain ways yeah. that she can then to herself justify things like burning the Tarleys. Um, she, she says it to Tyrion. I did it your way. It didn't work. You know, I, I have You're lost. You're a dragon. I, I, a had, dragon. I had a Navy. I had an army. I lost both of those things to you. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I'm going to use what's at my disposal. I won't go burn King's Landing because she realized the mistake in that, but she will go burn the army. And there's, there's still arguments to be made for the things that she did. I think there was last season, some issue on the line of like her expectation of John to bend the knee to everybody to bend the knee right, right. with no prior knowledge of, because Missande has that speech to John and uh, to Davos, where she explains oh, right, everything yeah. that Danny has been through and what she did in Slaver's Bay. And we all know what she's been through and what she's accomplished and what she's tried to accomplish, but the people of Westeros don't. But she kind of sauntered in there and had yeah. this expectation of everybody bow down because. <laughs> and it's like, Why? Uh, because. Mm, just because you're the daughter of Ares Targaryen, he's called the Mad King, honey. Right. Nobody's going to be very happy about you right. sauntering it and that being your claim. You have right. to prove yourself. And she's, you know, 
did that to John. He saw enough to to believe in the good in her, and she saw the army of the dead came to his rescue when she didn't necessarily have to, and is doing the right thing. So she'll find out about John, and she's not going to be like, I'm turning my armies around and I'm getting out of here. But it's, it's the little things. It's Mm -hmm. when they're making the battle plans and John suggests something or plans on doing something and she contradicts him. It's just like the, what Sansa did last season, like contradicts him in front of other people or disagrees with him or feels on the outs. If he makes a decision with somebody, it's the little things Mm -hmm. that you read into with this knowledge about who he really is. And that's the very human reaction right. that that can happen and i see those cracks forming that right. could get in the way of the things that they need to get done so sandra so you speaking for the internet here which is a very powerful pulpit that you have right now and power and responsibility uh what do you think uh, danny i don't want to say redeemed I, I don't think she needs to do that but what do you what do you, what are some of the decisions you'd like to see danny make then with face some of the stuff that these obstacles were throwing in front of her here? i mean everything rachel just said is, is spot on that she has to realize like what what truly is the reason why she wants to sit on that damn throne like mm-hmm. what really is the, does she just like to boss people around like mm-hmm. i i think one of the scenes that kind of you know, plays at hand too is is the fact that she keeps not just her defiance against John, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of fans took personally because it's John. It's like, John, dude, this right. guy has good intentions. Like, chill out. Yeah. But it's also like uh, Tyrion. She kept like she. I think she did it for like three episodes, where she's like, "You are Lannister. You like your family. Why should I yeah. listen to you?" And it's like, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, why are you saying this right now? I, I think a lot of that has has to play into Danny. But I, I think her reaction to John is going to be key in the sense of what is she going to go full mad queen or is she going to be in the middle? Like what, what I think that's going to be a big telling factor for Mm. sure. I think also the irony of this whole situation is the fact that Mm. she's preaching, you know, Targaryen, Targaryen, Targaryen. The irony it's that, you know, if you were in Doran girl, you still be fine. (laughs) (laughs) But since you're a Targaryen, John's the right one. He's got to sit on the throne. Them's the rules. Don't forget Doran. Yeah. Don't forget Doran. Well, that's some interesting thoughts there. Uh, A lot of it ties back to uh, the first season. So to wrap up a little couple points on that conversation and uh, Maisel Williams kind of telling us to, to look back uh, to go to go forward, you must go back. To go east, you must uh, go west. You must go east. Uh, um, uh, what, what do you some What do you want to pull from that, Rachel? What are some stuff, scenes, moments that you think might factor in, or we should check again? Yeah, I want to similarly to what started happening last season, which was the echo of Ned, mm. and you you saw right, that a lot of it, in yeah. so many characters, good and bad, good and absolutely good and bad, and and I loved particularly Sansa and Arya towards the end of the season. Um, hearkening back to moments with him and um, and taking the lessons, but but using them accordingly and not blindly. Like yeah. I, I've said before, like I loved that Sansa passed the sentence, Arya swung the sword against Peter. Like mm-hmm. it was a lesson from Ned, but they embody two aspects of it. And so I want to see more callbacks in that sense to these characters as they were when we first started. So, you know, uh, uh, I want to see what Jamie and John do when they first see each other. Remember the last time they saw each other and the, the bastard conversation. And, you know, there's characters that are going to meet up again that we haven't seen since those early scenes. And I just, I trust in these writers so much, you know, sometimes larger plot things get, you know, a little wonky, but 
they've been mostly true to the characters and the character interactions. Right. For as many things as I didn't love about last season, I do think most of the character interactions were right. And so I feel like I, I have trust in them to remember where these characters last interacted in season one and therefore using their journeys and stories to right. re-interact or to interact again um, in this place. So I uh, love it. Uh, Ace, final thoughts on this thought here? Yeah, I, I kind of like, uh, there's a scene in, in, in season seven that I, I actually like, as, as goofy as it is, I think it's great. It's it's when Gendry first, first meets John, and mm. he just geeks out about like, oh, your Whoa. dad and my dad were cool. It's yeah. like, yeah, your dad and my dad basically took over the world. Like, yeah. you and I could be good friends. And I was like, <laughs> This is great. Like, I love that because I really <laughs> yeah. do feel like he's coming from a place of like genuine, like this guy is like the legendary son of Ned Stark yeah. and I'm the bastard. Like we're both bastards. Like this is crazy. <laughs> no, I love, cause I love all that stuff. Like when Davos finds him and he's trying to give him like, all yeah. right, now so here, I'd like you to come in. He's like, grabs his hammer and he's yeah. like, yeah, let's go. You think I want to sit here and yeah. do this? And then yeah. when he finally meets John, it, it's, yeah. it's a great moment. And it kind of makes me feel like what is, what is to come of Gendry? What, what are yeah. we going to see of Gendry? He's I know going to see Arya again, dude. I'm, I'm, I, that's another thing. Yeah. Obviously, love and relationships are the least of our worries. You know, yeah. I'm very team Jamie and Brienne, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. I'm also very team Gendry and, and Arya. Oh, I think that's great. I think that'd be a fun little. They can go west relationship. of west together. Yeah, yeah. but that. but a lot of a lot of people. I can't yeah. you know say I'm one of the few people who's who's predicting that. What if Gendry is the one who stands at the very end. That's interesting. And it comes full circle back to season one. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like what, what Macy is saying. What if he's the one who's like, you know what? Everything my dad did wrong. I'm going to do right by being the king of the iron throne. And I'm a bastard, but you know what? Bastards are cool too. And that's kind of the conclusion of this whole like bastard concept that we see since episode one. There's some justice in that story arc as well. Well, we are going to get into more of those story arcs and final predictions, locking ourselves down on some tough answers and thoughts. And then looking back months later and going, how wrong were we? That's part of the fun because season eight is almost upon us. This is casterly talk. You can go to our Facebook page. You can use the hashtag casterly talk on Twitter to talk to us and you can find us on Twitter uh, like Rachel where are they going to yell at you <laughs> at Rachel J Cushing on Twitter and Instagram and squad leader ace is squad the leader ace you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at squad leader ace and obviously my YouTube channel first cut mm-hmm. go and subscribe it's it's a little new so yeah um, a lot of people give don't know love. about it but give it some love the meaning of podcast yeah. is on there with me and RB3 and we talk movies you and Robert Butler the third are mm-hmm. Two of my favorites roam in this landscape. You can follow me at Ken Napsock. Go to KenNapsock.com to get information on where to pre-order my book, Why We Love Star Wars, The Great Moments of Built, The Galaxy Far, Far Away, coming out May 15th on Mango Publishing. That is it for now, and we have a lot more to talk about. We got to get ready for Season 8. <laughs>